Hey, it's uh, Alex Lowe from uh, London, England of DLA Ignite. And uh, if you want to build world-class communication skills, you should definitely be listening to the Art of Communication podcast with my good buddy and friend, Greg Rice. Welcome to the Art of Communication, where entrepreneurs learn to grow their business more effectively through mastering their ability to connect to others. Whether you're looking to increase revenue, widen your network, or just getting others to buy into your vision, we'll help you dramatically transform your business and life by communicating more effectively, improving your leadership skills, and reinvesting time back into your family. You're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and your life. So let's start the conversation with your host, Greg Rice. Hey guys, today I'm talking to Alex Lowe, who is a professional services lead at DLA Ignite, where he focuses on helping companies implement new social selling strategies. And we get into the importance of content development and building trust and building relationships and really as a core tenant of social selling. We also talk about why he hates the term social selling and sees it as so much more than just that. And we get into what's the shortest route into any organization and specifically the C-suite. So Alex is going to help you take your selling game to the next level by leveraging social media. So Alex, welcome to the Art of Communication podcast. Really excited to have you on today. Thank you for uh, having me from uh, all the way here, over here in, uh, in sunny London. For sure, for sure. Um, love to bring on diverse perspectives from around the world. Even though I think what we're going to talk about, kind of social selling and the art of communication around that, certainly is a global thing. It's actually an interesting topic that we might touch on towards the back end, um, how it's different in different cultures, right? Because yeah. as any communication is, I'm sure the social side is, is different as mm-hmm. well. But before we get down that path, I'd love to just start off with a little bit around your background, right? And how you came to social selling, where you first encountered it, because you were probably doing traditional selling and then social came around and would love to get your feel on when you first realized the impact social selling might have. Okay, cool. Awesome. So um, my background is uh, where to start. I kind of fell into sales. Um, My late father, he was in software sales. So it's kind of what he did. So I thought, well, let's give it a go. And ended up getting a job as a realtor in uh, in London. Did that for two years. Uh, Then fell into recruitment. So worked for Michael Page International, recruiting sales professionals into the IT and tech sector. So that was a smile and dial baby, you know, 100 calls a day type sort of thing. Greed is good. ABC, all that fun stuff. And uh, of course, then LinkedIn came along. So the recruitment world got hold of LinkedIn because it was like the best candidate database on there. Left uh, page after five great years, um, basically because I thought I could do this at home in my garage because everyone's got the same candidates and left recruitment altogether. Um, joined professional services, so big four consulting, so PricewaterhouseCoopers. Then moved out of there into law, and it was to my time in a law firm in London where I got introduced to the concepts of kind of social selling, because in the recruitment days, you perceived LinkedIn as a way to sell yourself to get a job, mm-hmm. not necessarily to sell yourself to find more clients and, um, uh, and prospects. And a lot of people still think about it that way, right? A lot of people still think about it as just, hey, this is my resume. Um, exactly. I can't leverage it to build my business. Yeah, 100%. And that's a big, you know, big mindset shift that we have to do um, today. But it was my time in, in legal, again, in a sales and marketing capacities when, this was what, seven, seven years ago now, I think, a gentleman called Jack Hanrassi uh, came in from LinkedIn, um, LinkedIn Sales Solutions, to pitch the dream of what was Sales Navigator as was. Mm. And I was all ready to, you know, tell him to go away and don't die from our doorstep because you could do a lot on LinkedIn for free back then if you knew what to, to do. 
and they obviously closed a lot of the, what you could do back then. But I saw Sales Navigator, it was actually TeamLink, which really started to swing my viewpoint of, hey, hang on a second, they're onto something here. And it wasn't actually the social selling side of things, it was the way that TeamLink created a virtual map of your current organization. So you could start to unlock the network of your colleagues who you weren't necessarily connected to on link on you know on linkedin but on sales navigator it created that map i then left there and went into back into commercial called commercial real estate so jones lang the sale jll and led the first ever social selling program globally in the commercial real estate sector on sales navigator linkedin did case studies on me on all this we had 150 users in the uk 300 globally and in the uk in the first four 12 months first full 12 months i should say uh, generated half a million net new and built a pipeline of 4.9 million and bearing in mind, these aren't salespeople as you and I know them. They're first and foremost kind of realtors in the varying aspects of commercial real estate. Mm-hmm. But they said, if I hadn't made that connection, if I hadn't written that blog article, if I hadn't thought differently about my network and rather going just to the people that I know, kind of lift your head above the parapet, look a little bit broader and wider into our employee base of 50,000 people, Someone somewhere may know someone to facilitate an introduction. And even if, that's, even if that person's not the decision maker, if they're senior enough, they probably know who I need to get to and then start the business conversation. Uh, Brexit happened. I was made redundant. The best thing that could have happened to me because I got paid some money to go away quietly. The rest is history. As, as, as you say, I met Tim over Twitter. Uh, I just set up my own company. Um, they were setting up their company. We thought, well, three heads are better than, uh, than one. And we're now three and a half years into this crazy journey of, I actually hate the term social selling. I think it's a mis, it's a misnomer and people misunderstand what social selling is because you see too many people selling over social, which is actually fundamentally the wrong thing to be, wrong thing to be doing. Um, for me, it's just sales and marketing in the 21st century. And social just happens to be one of the channels that you can leverage. It is certainly probably one of the most, if not the most important channel to leverage, but it's it's not a replacement for other sales uh, methodologies, practices, other communication channels. It's part of the, the, the entire end-to-end process from driving net new conversations with somebody who you've never spoken to in your life all the way through to actually, whilst you can't close over social, Social can be used as part of that overall process to nudge, nurture, move the business conversation along to the point of you know ink on uh, ink on paper. Yeah, so that's that's an interesting point, right? When you talk about social selling or another term that might be better a better fit, it's not about cold calling via social media. It's about building relationships that lead to transactions down the road based on that relationship. Exactly. So some people might call it modern day prospecting. But if you actually, you know, I wrote wrote an article about this a while ago. Back in the day, someone said to me, what did you do as a job? Well, I was in sales. But for me, sales was cradle to grave. So the cold call, the pitch over the phone, the meeting, create the pitch deck, you know, find the uh, sign it off, execute the contract, i.e. go and find the the person to fill the job, uh, move on. Even recruiting salespeople back then, you had new business people, account managers, and channel sales. That was literally it. There was none of this SDRA, these multiple layers now within kind of the sales process, which also kind of muddies the waters because everybody has a different agenda, a different KPI to drive a different behavior. 
Whereas sales is just for me, it is, it is the entire piece. So yes, social, social selling, if we're going to use the term, is brilliant for prospecting. But it's also brilliant for account-based marketing. It's also brilliant if you only have 11 key accounts to manage across the territory. You can still leverage the same tactics and framework of social selling to deliver that outcome of better business conversations to then position you to sell more effectively. I remember when I first came across social selling and, and Tim's book, um, mm-hmm. and what really fascinated me about it is, is there were stories from talking to Tim and reading the book that outlined, hey, we got in front of a CEO in a couple days, right? I know we talked about challenges that the team had about, hey, who can get in front of this CEO first or how, who can get in front of this many people this quickly that are super senior level. Folks that with no, a normal approach, you wouldn't have any ability to get in front of. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that. I don't know if there might be a story you can share around getting in front of a super senior person very quickly and efficiently leveraging social selling. So the shortest, the shortest route into any, any organization or anybody is through an introduction, right? Mm-hmm. So until how long ago, I didn't know who you are. Social brought us together through an introduction. I now know who you are. Build a relationship. You know people. Hey, Greg, you know that person. Can you introduce me to them? Yes, no. It is that kind of um, that, that simple. So the way to think about it is actually referral selling, if you want to call it that, is the shortest route into an organization. So someone knows someone. There are 690 million people on LinkedIn. Facebook's going to get to the point very shortly based on some stats I read recently. There are going to be 3 billion people monthly using a Facebook product. Facebook, Messenger, WhatsApp, and uh, Insta. So someone somewhere knows someone who can facilitate an introduction. A chief exec is a human being. That's the thing. He says, oh, my God, it's the C-suite. They're like this magnificent beast. They're a person. They're people, right? And they know people. So it's about if you have trusted relationships with people and they're happy to facilitate an introduction to somebody because they know you're not going to screw it up for them, that is the quickest route in. And, of course, with LinkedIn – if you, if you know how to curate your network properly and then leverage that network properly and nurture it, so keep in contact, dip in and out, and that's how by being consistently present, that's how you can then start to get in front of senior people very, very quickly. And all of our business is generated through social or through referrals. We do zero cold calling and zero email, um, email marketing. And you know, my, I focus on professional services. We are talking to the EYs of the world, the Allen and Overies of the world. These are you know magic circle law firms, big consulting firms, at not you know not board level in those companies because it's not appropriate for the board to be involved in the conversations. But it is the C-suite equivalent that we're working with, who deal with CEOs and CFOs on a um, uh, on a daily basis. How do I get in front of them? It's kind of two ways: building my network, and of course, I'm now of an age. I'm 43, and a lot of my peers are now in very senior positions. But I connected with them 20 years ago, right? So if you're a young sales rep, listen to this. Connect to your peers, because as you move and grow your careers, they will become decision makers. There will be another Zuckerberg out there who you know, creates another Facebook. So you leverage that network to facilitate uh, introductions. But the other thing is, I read a brilliant book called Getting Naked by, I now can't remember the author, but I'll give you the link to put in the podcast. Untitled. And it's all around relationships. And it's actually around providing value from day one. And it's a story around um, a large consulting firm buys a small consulting firm and they can't understand how the small consulting firm actually has better profit margins, higher revenue and stronger relationships. Because the consultants in that approach, what they do from day one of a conversation with a client, they don't go in and pitch. They don't go in and go the, you know, the whole nine yards in terms of this is who are. They go in and listen. 
ask questions, and then start consulting from day one. So literally, and I hate the term, but adding value from day one in that meeting. So if you are then talking to mid-management, and rather than going and selling, you go in and try and start fixing their problems from day one, you'll work out very quickly whether this relationship's going to work or not at that point. If they turn around and go, bloody hell, that was really useful, straight away, what are they going to do? They're going to go up They're going to go up a level. We need to get these guys in because they were super helpful. They've added value to me already. Two, and then and then you're there. It's it's not it's not difficult. It just takes a bit of time and effort and uh, and thought process. And this is the other you know bugbear I have. This kind of world of instant gratification, chasing the numbers, chasing the vanity metrics. I think a lot of people also perceive that if you social sell, it's the silver bullet for sales. We all know there is no silver bullet for sales. Otherwise, you and I would be sitting on a paradise island drinking our pina colada out of a pineapple. It doesn't exist. <laughs> sales is still sales as it was 20 years ago when I was doing you know, cold calls to 30, 40 years ago. What's the film with what's his chops on the, the McDonald's story? It's brilliant when he's driving around in his car around America selling Hoovers, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, that is still sales, right? That process hasn't and will never, ever change until the robots um, take over. The social selling <laughs> also isn't this silver bullet to help you help yourself. Sorry, I've got on my soapbox. I get very passionate and, uh, about this and I start ranting. So I'll, I'll give you some, uh, some headspace and some time to talk. <laughs> that's, that's great. So if I came to you and I am a new entrepreneur, right? I'm mm-hmm. coming to you as a client. And yeah. I said, you know, I want to leverage social selling to build up a clientele of, of senior folks yep. um, at large companies. Mm-hmm. what would be kind of the beginning steps that you would put me on to start that process? So first and foremost, I'd say let's stop calling it social selling. I say that to all my clients. I start everything off going, by the way, just so you were aware, I actually hate the term. So let's just stop calling it that. Um, but it is what it is, right? Well, Modern selling, virtual selling, digital selling, they're all the same thing. Well, so what, what's, what's, your, what's your preferred term for it? It's just sales. It's just sales and marketing. It's just, it's, you're just selling. It's just sales and marketing. You know, can it. we just get back to calling it what it is, right? Outputs. So I heavily focus on outputs. What are you trying to achieve and why? So let's work backwards from the, from the output that you're trying to, um, to achieve. So you want to get to an, you know, a target audience of people within a sector. Cool. Okay. Do you have any understanding of what that audience uh, consumes in terms of content? Have you done any research in this? Do you know anybody in this sector? You can go and have a conversation and go, hey, what do you like reading online? Is it long form? Is it short form? Is it videos? Is it podcasts? Which platforms are you on? Is it LinkedIn? Is it Twitter? Is it Facebook? Is it TikTok? Is it, is it all of them? It's probably going to be a blend. If they say to me, no, it's like, okay, well, you probably need to go away and do a bit of that because until you actually understand your intended audience and how they want to interact with you, I can give you a framework but if you're pushing in the wrong place and you're putting the wrong content out there that they're never going to engage with, then this isn't going to work. Assuming that they do understand that, we then kind of work backwards through the, uh, the process to kind of move forward. It's like, okay, so we want to get here. So the three concepts are your personal brand, network, and content to get from here to there. Because if I go back to it's the digitization of the sales process, if you will, not the digitization of the output. Because 20 years ago, what was I trying to do? Get a business meeting. How did I do it? Cold calls. Today, what am I trying to do? Get a business meeting. How do I do it? That has fundamentally transformed and the process to get to that business meeting has changed. Once that business meeting happens, we're in a sales process. So it's then personal brand. How 
do you want to project yourself so that when somebody meets you for the first time online, are you just another entrepreneur, guru, salesperson, lawyer, accountant, whatever, or am I actually meeting a subject matter expert who can help me think differently about a particular business opportunity? You are talking to your next client on LinkedIn, not your next job. I used to tell people, write your salespeople, write your CV, talk about what, how great you are at crushing quota and hitting club and all this kind of stuff. No one cares. And if they see that, they're like, you're just a rep who want to hit quota. You don't actually care about me uh, as, a, uh, as a person. So bring a bit of personality to it in your, um, uh, in your uh, profile. Put things like, I enjoy mountain biking, skiing, parasailing, sailing, baking cakes, running marathons, all this kind of stuff. Because if they like doing that, well, guess what? There's a commonality between, uh, between you. Hey, this guy's all right, or this girl's all right, because she does the sort of things that I do. Then it's around your network, because you want to sell through the network, not to the network. Because we all connect to like-minded people, CMOs to CMOs, CFOs to CFOs, and so on and so forth. So start to get an understanding. Go into your first-degree network, put in the keywords of the job titles that you want to market to and through, understand how good is your current network in that space because you may already have people um, uh, people there. Then do that same search again, but second degree. So you know someone then who can facilitate that introduction. Mm-hmm. And in the second degree network, hey, you may already have a thousand potential introductions where you can literally just pick up the phone to somebody and go, hey, I'm on LinkedIn. Greg, I can see you're connected to that person. How well do you know them? This is what I'm going to do. I'd love for you to be able to make me an introduction. Not foolproof the, all the time. Well, that also says to you, if you then start to share content, which assuming you understand is what the type of content they want to um, consume, if you are a CMO, CFO, whatever, read this, kind of being um, blunt in my approach, your first three network who that appeals to will potentially like, comment, engage in it, which then moves into their second degree. And then, and then the third degree. And then that's how the cell through. So when we're presenting, when I've got a slide with the pyramid, so that you've got to connect, your connection is at the top of the pyramid, if you will. That's your first degree. Then you've got the second layer, two people in the second, third. And so you're going down through the pyramid as you like and comment. But of course, on the second layer, you then start the pyramid again. And the third layer, you start the pyramid again. And that's how everything goes viral on, on social. So make sure your network is relevant for who you want to market through. And then the final piece is content. Start telling stories, anecdotes, human beings are lazy, so short, sharp to the point. There needs to be context as to why somebody should read your posts. You want to, LinkedIn is changing the way the algorithm behaves again at the moment. So they're trying to move away from the click-basey stuff. They're trying to move away from the bro tree. Hey, I get up at 4 a.m. and I have like my 10 cups of coffee and I've done like 20,000 miles by 6 a.m. And then I feed the family of a million people and then I go and do some charity work and then, hey, I crush it. You know, they're trying to move away from um, that BS stuff that you, you see to actually create authentic general uh, uh, engagement. And the other thing is this takes time. You might get lucky. We've had people get lucky in 24 hours of doing this because they were in the right place at the right time online. It could take you two years. I'm doing, you know, I'm learning from this is the thing about the world that we're in. It is forever changing. We're, we, we've, I've been in this game for seven, eight years. You know, last three and a half years, obviously being in the consulting space rather than doing it internally. And the rate at which all of this is changing, you know, at the moment we're struggling to, to keep up. But it, it's, it's that process, and then it's being consistently present. It's the consistency of engagement, a quick like, a quick comment, the hashtags, dipping into the conversation 
so that you're constantly kind of ticking over and people kind of bump into you. Hey, you look an interesting person. Hey, look at other people you're connected to. Look at the recommendations. Look at the really interesting content that you... Um, they may then want to you know, connect directly with you. That's obviously the pull. But of course, there's push. You need to be proactive in terms of reaching out to people to connect. So if you have LinkedIn, premium, if you have premium or sales navigator, start using the data. Because there's no point getting excited about 1,000 views on a post if those 1,000 views are from people who are never, ever going to buy your services. And this is the challenge. You get these, um, you know, hey, I've got 30,000 connections now following me. It's like bullshit. There's 30,000 connections that are pointless. Hey, I'm getting like 200,000 views on my post. And who cares? I'd rather get 10 likes from CMOs at, say, a law firm than 10,000 likes from people who are never, ever going to buy from me. Those 10 likes are worth way, way more than the vanity metrics over, um, over here. And then it's just consistent, consistent, and it's hard work. It takes, you know, it takes time. I've been doing, you probably haven't seen it, but I do hashtag Ask Alex video every Friday. I'm now dressing up and doing crazy stuff. It's taken two and a half years for me to get comfortable at that point. But it's also I, a VR video, right? <laughs> I now have people when I go to conferences, when I meet people, they're like, hey, Alex, I know you. I'm like, who the hell are you? I have no idea. But they've I've created a, a community around that. But it okay. didn't happen overnight. overnight. So yeah. this takes time, effort, and commitment. Yeah, no, that's... That's great. And it sounds like uh, the content is the way that you move through the pyramid, right? I'd say two things really, because one one of the things that really fascinates me is how do you build trust with people without meeting them? And how do you create that foundation for a relationship before you ever talk to them? And it seems to come down to building quality content that speaks Mm -hmm. to them and then probably following up and engaging, right? If they like it or if they comment, following up on that, right? Don't just let your comments pile up and not not engage just say thank you thanks for taking the time to uh, to comment but the other the, it's back to get the, get the getting naked kind of um book i was referring to you know, you've probably seen what we basically give the keys to the kingdom in terms of what we do all our ip is online if somebody actually bothered stitching it all together they would never ever need to come to us and pay us money to do what we do but people can't be asked to do that right they're lazy so of course there's going to be trade secrets that you can't give away but just give you know, don't get your content just give give, I again, hate the word, but because it's just so loaded, but give value. So all the how-to videos on YouTube of me just spending time, just showing people how to, you know, how to do stuff. And people have come to me going, that's awesome. I didn't know you could do that on LinkedIn. Now can you come and help my sales team? They could easily just give that video to the sales team, go watch this for free. Now do it. But we know that's not going to be the case. But if I had never spent the time and effort of doing a two-minute, three-minute video on YouTube, which I then share on LinkedIn and going, did you know you could do this on LinkedIn? I didn't know you could do that on LinkedIn. I've, I've given value to the, to the audience, and by doing that, you then start to build that trust. They then start to look at who else you're connected to in their sphere, their sphere of influence. Well, I know him, her, him, and they're sensible people, and if they're connected to Alex, okay. And look at that recommendation from that company, okay. That's how you can start to build trust with people before you even you've even met them. Just just be nice. Just <laughs> just help people. It's not you know, not in the kind of the cheesy way, but you know, treat them as you'd like them to treat your grandmother. Just be helpful. But first, have you ever thought about doing your own podcast? I'll tell you, if you're a business owner, you absolutely should be. There's no better way to get your name out there, to grow your network, and really develop a relationship with your customers. I can tell you in the short time that I've been doing this podcast, I've already had conversations with top global influencers, 
Fortune 500 CEOs, and a host of other really cool people that I otherwise would not have had the opportunity to connect with. But you might be thinking, hey, it might be really hard to do a podcast. I don't know where to start, or I just don't have time. But I'll tell you, if you work with my friends at World Class Media, they make it super easy. That's who I worked with. With their done-for-you podcast, literally, all I have to do is just record the episode and they do everything else. From end to end, including all editing and production, development of my intro and outro and music, my artwork and website, development of my show notes, and submission of my show to all the major podcasting mediums. They even created my social media cards. And they offer me coaching along the way as well to help me to become a world-class podcaster right out of the gate. So if you've ever considered starting a podcast, you owe it to yourself to talk to world-class media because I tell you it's a lot easier than you think. So just go to gregjrice.com backslash done for you to learn more about the done for you podcast service and to set up a free consultation. All right, let's hop into the show. Yeah. So I want to circle back around to the conversation or the thing I mentioned at the top end, the cultural piece, right? And I'm sure you work with clients who work in a variety of different geographies around the world. Just talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about sensitivity to content development and relationship building from social in different cultures. Yeah. So different cultures use different platforms for starters. So if you're in China, okay, China's got access to, you know, you can use LinkedIn in China, but you need to be on WeChat and you need to be able to speak Mandarin and write Mandarin. Uh, if you're in Japan, you need to be online. And again, you need to be able to write Japan, you know, Japanese. You need to understand, obviously, the, culture, the, the, the varying nuances and cultural uh, sensitivities across the piece. doesn't matter where you are in the world. Avoid sex, politics, and religion because it is so divisive. And even if you start a, um, a post with certain presidents of a country and then go on to write the best post you've ever written in your life, the fact you started with that name, you've divided your audience completely because it's just, well, politics at the moment in all countries is so black and white. Mm-hmm. You're, either in, you're either in or out. There's no room to have a sensible discourse around it, which is why we tend, tend to uh, encourage people to, uh, uh, to avoid it. But again, it comes back to your earlier question around advising kind of an entrepreneur around, do you understand your audience? Assuming you've had physical business meetings with people and physical conversations with people in your culture, you, understand, you should understand what resonates culturally and what you can and cannot say online. And if it feels wrong, it probably is. You know, if those of you that drink, if um, alcohol and social media is a really, really, really bad idea, and I've woken up in the morning and seen some drafts on Twitter going, thank God I didn't send those, because at the time you think, oh, this is quite amusing, when you've had a few uh, a few beers maybe, and then you think, no, you just come across as a bit of a dick. Um, <laughs> so, so that's a big no-no. When, obviously, if you are marketing to a global market, I recognize that slightly, uh, that, that is slightly harder, so kind of just keep it neutral industry specific kind of look at whatever else is talking it's okay to disagree with people on social i've had big debates with people on social where i fundamentally disagree with a viewpoint but I, I i type on a comment exactly what i'd say in a face-to-face situation so if you stand behind what you say on other you know other than we talked about the you know, the, the divisive kind of stuff in a commercial sense if you stand behind that point and it's made politely and diligently no spelling mistakes nothing like you know good good grammar then it's good to get into that uh, that kind of rapport and that kind of debate and uh, and uh, and conversation. So, but as I said, if if it if it feels wrong, 
in your mind or you wouldn't want your parents to see it, or you wouldn't want it to be on the front page of the New York Times, then don't do it. Do you find that in certain cultures, they're less likely to be open to bridging that gap from social to a physical or, you know, meeting in person or working together via the phone or something, right? Is it harder to bridge that gap in one culture versus another? Uh, I don't... I don't necessarily believe so because we, we are all on, you know, Simon Kemp's latest research shows that I think close to 60% of the world can get on the internet. I think there are close to 4 billion people on social media. So everyone is on online and trust is trust, right? Okay, culturally, it's going to work in different, uh, in different ways. So in my view, I, I don't believe that to be the, the case. It may take longer. You may have to take different routes and it may have to be an introduction to, you know, to the ultimate decision-making, which is a physical introduction to get to that person. But this is why I always, you know, talk, go back to the CEO. So let's go back to that, that point. Uh, think about the proxy. So, okay, I accept that not every CEO is going to be on social media. I totally accept, uh, accept that. Um, although research came out recently saying if you've got a, a CEO who's on social, that's really powerful for um, brand alignment and blah, blah, blah. But what does every C-suite person on the planet typically have? They have a PA right? Mm-hmm. Are you the PA to a CEO? Is he or she thinking about this business problem? PA scrolling through because they're typically of, uh, of an age. Yeah, that's exactly what my CEO was talking to me about the other day. Click, print. There we go. Mm. So think back to the market through. Don't just re- religiously focus on the end person in terms of the, the decision maker. Think about the people that can influence you to get in front of that person. I don't care if it's the janitor, the PA, the IT guy, if it's the right person with the right relationship to get me to the person that I want to get to, then I will follow that, you know, that path, the path of least resistance, right? (laughs) That's a tremendous point. Yeah. That the value of the folks close to the CEO who might be more accessible or the executive that might be more accessible can be extremely valuable to you and building a relationship with them can be really powerful and also provide with you a lot of perspective around what challenges they're struggling with. And you can add a lot of value for them because you're helping them solve their boss's problem. So it can be really powerful. I think a lot of folks overlook that. I think we all know, Hey, don't be rude to the secretary, right? When we call that's, that's a given, but the power of leveraging those folks and the executive assistants and the PAs to bridge a relationship is something that's probably overlooked a lot. Yeah. Hundred percent. Going back to helping people, you could create interesting, clever content around. If you're the PA of a CEO, here are the top three things I'd recommend. You know, help you know improve your productivity hacks. That that kind of thing. Hey, that's really helpful. This person, that's really useful. I might follow them. Yeah, of course I'm going to help. Them. Of course, those you know, that that level of person, they typically know loads of people. They know the ins and outs. And there's the old. They always say it can sometimes be the most junior person in a project that actually causes the project to fail. And they are usually the most overlooked ones because they're the ones that are the key to unlocking something. But everyone's been totally focused up here. And everyone's ignored the junior person. Like, hang on a second. This is kind of my gig. I know this. Screw you. I'm not going to engage. And the whole thing can, uh, you know, can, can fall over. So, you know, back to your point, don't annoy the, um, the PA. It was actually one of the first things that when I went to PricewaterhouseCoopers, that was one of the, uh, fir- the first pieces of advice that I was given by the chairman. And I won't repeat the language he used. They said, don't F off my partners because then I have a problem and don't annoy the secretaries because then you'll have a problem. <laughs> sure. They control all the communication, yeah, right? Exactly. They control everything. You need them on your side. And they're people too. So you need to treat exactly. them as such. But to, to switch gears a little bit, just wanted to ask a few questions before we hop off here that I like to ask everybody who gets on the show. 
So the first one is that I really believe in the power of conversations. So I like to ask my guests if there's a particular conversation they can point to in their lives that had a really meaningful impact on them and the path that you ended up taking. That's a big one. Blimey. Um, if, I can, if I can pivot, the, rather than answer the question, if I can come back to something that happened in my life, which then, because I've, well, I've had some amazing leaders. So Grant Speed gave a chance on me at Michael Page when I came in from, you know, I had no idea what I was doing. I had my Gucci loafers on, thought I knew it all, crappy, shiny suit. And he was like, have you thought about recruitment? And I thought, no. And he then literally said, right, here you go. There's a phone. There's your, there's your desk. We now need to recruit this person. I have no idea whether we got it or not, but go for it. And literally sink or swim. And actually, that the very first hire I made, he didn't actually start. And Grant just let me figure it out myself. He's like, you just got to figure it out, right? Which actually was really, really, um, uh, really, really powerful. But for, for me, my father had a pretty tough battle with cancer a couple of years ago and then unfortunately passed away. And then becoming a kind of that and becoming a parent kind of completely resets my entire view on, uh, on life. That life is too short. Have no regrets. Don't let your career define you. You define your, um, your career. And I've always enjoyed working with, uh, with people. And what I found is kind of coming out of kind of the corporate space into doing what I'm doing now. Don't worry, it's terrifying in the current climate at the moment. Don't get me wrong in terms of pipeline and this kind of stuff. But actually, when you work with individuals and you see the light bulb moment go, and you see that now I get it, now I get what you're um, you're trying to get across to me. It's about that change in, in mindset is kind of what drives me to do what I do. But I said I think it's the passing of my father, which kind of just really, you know, he was only sixty seven, hasn't get he hasn't seen his grandson. That just was like, yeah, life. You know, the, the the adage life is too short. It genuinely. <laughs> It genuinely is. So that kind of shifted my perception on uh, on life. Does that kind of answer the question? Yeah, no, that's certainly powerful. I mean, it it doesn't necessarily need to be a conversation, right? Some of the most powerful things in life are communicated through events. So yeah. definitely my condolences um, for your father and your family and congratulations on becoming a father. And uh, <laughs> <Me too. laughs> I, I, I can relate. Um, and I, yeah, I think that that, that that fits the mold perfectly for what I was looking for. So thank you for sharing that. Cool. No worries. Second question, if you look back through your history and what you've accomplished and all the struggles that you had, if there was one communication skill that you would have had in more abundance throughout that, that would have made it easier, what would that have been? Uh, learning to manage up. Ah. And I learned that the hard way. So <laughs> there's a good learning skill. Trust, and this, and this is a hard one. And I get it because I've been on, I've, I've had some shitty managers and I've had some amazing, I've had some amazing managers. But I should have managed up. I should have communicated up rather than hiding the situation and then it being found out, which then caused a whole heap of other problems. It was basically, I, uh, my recruitment days, candidate didn't start. It was end of quarter. I thought if I, if I declare this now, that's going to hit my commission check. So I worry about it next quarter. Then the, my manager finds out after the quarter's happened because then they, they claw back the, the commission, as it were. But that hits. I mean, you start on a negative. And he went absolutely mental and explained to me why. So the problem is, Alex, you think you're just one consultant doing this. But if there are thousands of you around the world doing this, that suddenly all rolls up into quite a lot of money. And we're a listed company. And that starts to screw things up right up here. And shit rolls down. And then I have to deal with this. So if you'd come to me and managed up and had a conversation about it, I probably would have covered your ass anyway. And we would have dealt with it. But instead, we're now having this situation. And it was a big learning point for me in terms of, you know, sometimes trust 
your manager is going to look out for you. And, you know, if there's a problem, manage up and deal with it head on because otherwise it probably usually becomes 10 times worse down the line. Yeah, it's critical. And I think something a lot of us don't think about so much, especially at those hard points where you don't want to deliver bad news to them. Yeah. But you have to trust. I mean, you have to think about the long-term relationship and the negative impact you'll you'll build related to that because now they don't feel like they can't trust you. And it takes 10 times longer to regain that yeah, trust exactly. than it does to lose 100%. it. 100%. Right. So that, that's definitely good advice. Last question. Who's the best communicator that you know, um, either know of or know personally? And why would you say that? Other than my wife, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to stay away from that one. <laughs> uh, who's, she's, she's, that's a, I see, you know, I'm not going to go down the Gary V route because it's just, he is, he, he is who he is. Who's a good, uh, it's tricky because there is, okay, I'll tell you what, some of your audience may not have heard of him. Some of you may have. He's an awesome guy based in the States called Andy Foote, uh, F-O-O-T-E. Hmm. And he is, a, I've never met the guy. I've never actually spoken to him, but following him on LinkedIn, the value that he provides is second to none for free in terms of all the changes, the way he writes, the way he communicates, Andy is, yeah, he, he is a masterclass in terms of what good looks like in all of this. So Andy Foote's on uh, LinkedIn. If you connect with him, tell him, tell him I sent you. <laughs> definitely will. Definitely will. It sounds like you need to connect with him if you haven't had a chance to meet I'm, him. I'm, I'm very much connected with him. I've never actually had a physical conversation with him. Okay, so good. In terms of trust, everything's been built up on the content that he shares, et cetera, et cetera. So um, that's what I meant in terms of we're definitely connected. I've never actually had a physical conversation with him, but trust him implicitly based on how he communicates and the value he communicates on the, um, on the platform. Yeah, I think that's a great way to wrap it up because it talks about on the other side how somebody else has built trust with you from what the content that they posted, yeah. right? And, and from the expertise that they've shown. So you're almost looking at it from the prospect's perspective there, yeah, exactly. right? So that's, that's a really interesting place to wrap it up. So final thing, where can folks find you at? Where can they learn more? Uh, you can find me everywhere, really. So LinkedIn, uh, um, Alexander Lowe, uh, Twitter at Alexander underscore Lowe, Instagram at digital underscore Alexander, TikTok at digital Alexander, Although I'm still figuring that platform out. That's the five Facebook. I've got a Facebook page as well. You just find Alex on the learning farm. So yeah, all, all, the, all the platforms, but probably LinkedIn and Twitter are my two most prevalent, uh, prevalent places. Great, great. Well, if folks in the audience need help building their social strategy as an aspect of their sales, right? Not social selling, but leveraging social as a powerful channel to improve their sales, definitely reach out to Alex. Him and his team have provided me with tremendous value and, and really helped me to be a lot more dynamic, I think, on, on my social approach and have had a lot more success. So thanks for your time, Alex. We really appreciate it. I know that audience got a ton of value and hope you have a great day. Awesome. You soon. Thanks for having me. Don't let the momentum stop now. Continue your path towards connecting at another level by joining the Communication Nation. We'll be discussing today's topics as well as more real-world solutions to transforming your life personally and professionally at facebook.com slash groups slash join the communication nation. Remember, you're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and life. And that conversation starts right here on The Art of Communication.